The family of the Kansas City Parade thug posts a GoFundMe to get him through a tragic time. The NYPD is taking time out of crime fighting to uh, dance, and airplanes are literally falling apart with stunning and shocking frequency. It's time for my Losers of the Week. So after the tragic and senseless shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade last week, it became very apparent the perpetrators were not white. We knew this because it took an entire week to actually publicly identify them. First, we were told it was because they were minors, which left Kyle Rittenhouse and the rest of us a little stumped given the obvious double standard. But it turns out that wasn't even the case because two grown-ass adults were charged with second-degree murder and two counts of armed criminal action and unlawful use of a weapon. But even after the charges were made public, much of the mainstream media still refused, some even to this day, to throw up their mugshots. I wonder why. Dominic Miller and Lindell Mays are being held on $1 million bond. They are allegedly responsible for injuring at least 22 people and killing one, a local radio DJ and mother of two. But get this, the family of one of the thugs, Lindell Mays, has posted a GoFundMe, not for the victims or their loved ones shot, but for Lindell Mays himself. The now deleted fundraiser was created by his mother and featured a photo of Mays in a hospital bed and asked folks to donate to help get him through a, quote, tragic time. The fundraiser was up to about 100 bucks before it was taken down. Mm, yeah, you freaking think? Let's also keep in mind that reports indicate the weapon used may have also been stolen, and this whole thing started over two groups of thugs having an altercation over why they were looking at each other a certain way. Thug's gonna thug, and that's precisely why law and order needs to be made great again. But I'll be honest, I have my doubts and concerns given, well, certain priorities like this one. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the NYPD dance team. So look, there is nothing wrong with law enforcement officers blowing off steam and partaking in team-building extracurriculars like dance. It should also be noted that the department has other affiliated teams for basketball and boxing and other things. Despite some of the commentary, this team is not taxpayer-funded. I'm all for female officers having something to build bonds and sisterhood. It's really more of the optics of it when the city is, well, failing miserably. But hey... You go, girls. On the topic of miserable failures, the airline industry fits into that category for many, many reasons. For one, they appear to be complicit in the transportation and accommodation of illegal immigrants flying all over our country, but also because, at least as of recently, they can't seem to keep their friggin' doors, windows, and wings intact. I mean, someone please call a freaking Mayor Pete. From passengers crapping and peeing in the aisles... Maggots dropping from the ceiling to mid-air brawls, pieces of plane coming off. Good Lord. I guess we could always just drive if gas wasn't so expensive and electric vehicles weren't pieces of crap. But I digress. Those are my losers of the week. Moving on now to something much more wholesome and holy. My next guest is being deemed a radical Christian nationalist and more after he dared to deliver the congressional opening prayer. Yeah, you heard that right. On February 15th, 
26 lawmakers led by U.S. Rep. Jared Huffman of California sent a letter to Speaker Johnson and the House Chaplain's Office expressing outrage that Pastor Jack Hibbs was allowed to deliver the House's opening prayer on January 30th. The outrage, I know. Because Congress is usually reserved for flashing transgenders and gay pornos, so I can understand why the word of our Lord and Savior is so offensive to the left. But that controversial Pastor Jack Hibbs joins me now. So, Pastor Jack, they are really upset with you in D.C. for daring to share the word of our, our Lord and Savior. you got to get into this because I understand that D.C., I understand that the left, you know, they're just really not too friendly towards the gospel in many circumstances. We understand that. They, they want to rid religion from our culture. But why were they so angry? And why are they deeming you like a white nationalist pastor? you got to break down what got them so upset, so triggered by your word? Yeah, what got them so fired up is I opened the prayer uh, by saying, Father, uh, I come to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So you could see, you know, smoke coming out of their ears at that point. I didn't realize that. So um, that's for two reasons. One, because uh, you said yes, Father. Father. It was supposed to be non-binary. Exactly. And Jesus Christ is evangelizing. Oh, okay. You see, so prayers have been offered up to Brahma and other pagan deities, but the problem is Jesus. And so what I went on to say was, and by the way, the prayer is a matter of record. You can look at it. It's public. Uh, and I said that, uh, Lord, forgive us for our national sins. I lifted that from Abraham Lincoln. Right. It's not like I made something up on the at, in the moment. And so um, I also prayed that for all those who have authority over this august house would remember that uh, they conduct the business of, of uh, America, of us as citizens. And so because of that, may your holy fear, your holy awe be within them as they make laws and um, that they would also remember that in the end, like all of us, we must all stand before God, the, the judge of heaven and earth, and so I pray this, here's another, here it comes. I pray this in the name of our crucified Savior and our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And so immediately what happened was I was, I was hugged by the chaplain's office. A congressman came flying up out of his seat from Kansas. He gave me a huge hug. He said, I think that's the first time I've heard Jesus' name here in a long time. And it, it, inside the chamber, inside the house, it went very, very well. Uh, by how I was greeted. But by the time I got to, uh, to my Uber, uh, things had blown up because how could Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, allow this radical Jew hater, Muslim hater, LBGTQ hater? I was amazed to find out so much about myself so quickly. <laughs> you know, it, it's wild to me because it's, it would seem as though certain religions, certain ideas are accepted, certain spirituality is accepted. Um, we see it time and time again, what I refer to as the Rainbow Mafia being celebrated at the White House of all places, sure. you know, even in very inappropriate ways. But because you dared to talk about your faith, you weren't telling other people that they must be Christians. That's you right. were saying you were professing your faith. You would think that adults in a room right. would be able to cope with that without having a meltdown, but apparently that was not the case. But, you know, it's one thing to say you shouldn't have said Jesus, you shouldn't have said Father. It's quite another to start calling you a white nationalist, saying yeah. that maybe you are inspired by January 6th and in an insurrection. How did they make that leap? 
they, I think they had to make that leap because that's what they're doing to you and to others, to me, because that is their crusade. They've got to somehow vilify that which they don't understand. And when I say that they don't understand, I'm not being mean to them right now, but to be honest with you, by me citing previous prayers tells you that they're not even aware that this nation started in prayer. In fact, uh, you can right. go back to the Mayflower Compact. It's only a two-paragraph declaration. And Jesus Christ appears twice in the Mayflower Compact. Uh, having said that, this nation has had, has had a history, and you cannot go to Washington, D.C. without God's name inscribed everywhere in that city. But what they want to do is they want to erase the reality, erase the truth of what this nation was all about, because it doesn't fit their agenda. So... There, technically, if people would think, Tommy, if people would just be thinking, they would realize, wow, these people are way off. So we just need to get back to uh, the roots and the history of our nation to realize what's going on here. Our, our representative government, we live in a constitutional republic, but why is it on the Democrat side, they can't say constitutional republic. Now that's they've a dirty got, word too. They've right. got to say democracy, democracy. They're actually... They're actually announcing where they're going with this country because democracy alone, a pure democracy is not a good thing. We have a representative right. constitutional government. That's something completely different. So then they'll label me, oh, this guy's getting involved in politics. Why? Because I'm pro-life or I'm pro-constitution or I believe that God says in the Bible he's established borders of nations. Oh right. my gosh, I'm a radical. So it turns out that I somehow helped Trump get January 6th going. I'd like to know how that, how that <laughs> Wow, happened. that's that's a great leap. Well, everything leads back, of course, to Donald <laughs> Trump. Right. And that's that's the name that they hate most of all. Yeah. They don't like you saying Jesus. They really don't like you saying Donald Trump either. Right. And then you just add in that you're gendering people. And of course, yes. that's, become, that's become also a no-no, an atrocity in the halls of Congress, which is really, really something. Yeah. I don't know if there's hope that that's ever going to change. But I do think that more people are just getting sick of... Yes this whole culture of not only cancel culture, but just people being outraged and offended by absolutely everything and not being offended by the things that they should be offended by. Lawlessness, chaos, disarray, immorality. That doesn't seem to be offensive to many yeah. folks, but the word, the gospel, very offensive. But this has also helped to catapult you, as we say, there's no such thing as bad press and publicity. True. So it's helped to catapult your book, which is, you know, what I really want to talk to you about because it, it goes hand in hand with everything we're yeah. talking about and everything we're talking about in this country right now. And it's a fantastic idea and it's needed. So tell me what people are going to read about in this book and do they have to be Christians to get something out of it? Thank you. Absolutely not. Uh, first of all, the Ford is written by Secretary Mike Pompeo, who happens to be a friend. And uh, he read it, and he wrote a great forward, and so we're so thankful to him. But that book, that title came out of a sermon series I did during COVID. Our church was open during COVID, much to the chagrin of Gavin Newsom. Um, and so we were packed out. We had uh, 14, 15,000 adults coming on a Sunday during the COVID era, and, um, and that's never gone back. It's just continuing. So I had to pivot. I, I departed from our verse-by-verse -verse teaching, and I told everybody, we're going to be looking at the days of deception. And so the good people up at Harvest House Publishing in Eugene, Oregon, they were watching the live stream of that, and they got a hold of me, and they said, would you write a book by that title? And I said, no, I don't have the time, thank you. And they said, can we buy the title? We want to buy the name of the title, D-A-Z-A. -A. That's what we're living in. And I said, really? So they talked us into writing the book, 
And um, it turns out to be a good thing because we just cover a few issues where people are saying, yeah, I'm really confused about that. Gender stuff, Israel stuff, government stuff, church stuff. Uh, you know, what's happening regarding our science? What is science these days? So we just touch on these things from a biblical worldview, but it's not just for the believer. We think a lot of people who don't even believe in God will get a lot out of the book. Uh, so the exciting thing is we, we knew something was up when the pre-order opportunity came. And um, it just exploded. And we had a dinner the other night with the publishers and we're well over 100,000 purchases wow. uh, in a, like a week and a half or two weeks now or something like that. Is Christianity making a comeback? And I know that that, honestly, I don't even like to say make a comeback. It should have never left. But is it making <laughs> at least some kind of a resurgence because it's been so vilified. Yeah, yeah. Do you think now it's becoming almost counterculture to be a Christian? It is so, I'm so grateful for your question. I can tell you, hailing from the People's Republic of California, <laughs> what people don't realize, we remember, whatever's, whatever's going on in the nation started with us, sad mm -hmm. to say, we export it all to you guys. So the thing is, we are so sick of it. People are sick of it. At our church, for example, we take voter registration 52 weeks a year. We have seen so many Democrats change party affiliation, okay? And then recently, people may have forgotten this, we recalled Gavin Newsom. Yeah. And that was the largest recall petition drive in American history. What people do not realize, because it was not reported on, today Mike Johnson is the Speaker of the House. Before him, it was Kevin McCarthy. Well, how did Kevin McCarthy get his job? Well, Nancy Pelosi had to get fired. How did that happen? In 2022, California sent more conservative pro-life congressmen and women to Washington, D.C., and it flipped the house. Yep. California. So the answer to your question is yes. People are fed up. All you got to do is look at churches that are standing on the front, and there's not enough room to get everybody in. And so we are now moving up and down the state of California, doing the next thing, you know, our crazy state, long time ago, passed this um, ballot harvesting. Right. And they made it a law. And, yep. and I, I remember a collective sigh. Everybody like, oh, no, we can never win again. So I actually asked a faith and public policy director, what does ballot harvesting mean? Well, it means this, and we'll never win an election again. But is it the law? Yep. Well, let's go, let's go get John Eastman. He's one of our attorneys. Let's find out about the law. Have him teach us on the law. So what we did, we, we renamed it Ballot Collection, and then we instructed churches up and down the state of California, this is how you do it. It's legal in California. Yep. This is how you do it. Secure the vote, set up cameras, get the Amazon, you rent them from Amazon, they're steel locked ballot boxes, and let's do citywide campaigns in all of our locations up and down the state. And that's how 2022 happened, and we're doing it again. So we, we were, the uh, Democrat Party wanted to sue us for voter fraud. Isn't that funny? Oh, isn't that amazing? Voter that's, fraud. That's like rich. You're, like you're a bastion of voter integrity. Yeah. And so they come to us and they looked at it. They brought Fox News, CBS, NBC. They, they brought them all there. And they looked around and the news agency said, we don't have a story here. These guys are doing it better than what you guys wanted yeah. it to be done. And that turned out to be a fact. And so um, now it's just spread statewide. I got to tell you, I know this sounds crazy. Keep your eye on California. People have had enough, and even Democrats are saying, you know what, I want my San Francisco back. I want, yeah. I want Oakland back. I want Santa Barbara back. Yeah. I, want, I want San Diego back. 
uh, it, it's, they've had enough. I think you're right about that. Uh, the ones that have had enough, unfortunately, are leaving, though. I'm one of those people who left about four years ago. Um, my producer, Kylie, obviously left as well. So I think a lot of the good folks, they are fleeing. But I've long said, for those that are willing to stay and stick it out, there is something to be done in California. There yes. is an awakening that can be that can happen. Yep. And I think you're right. After COVID, a lot of Californians, they did see the light in a lot of ways because they were locked mm. down and they were living under tyranny for such an extended period of time. You're right about the recall. Unfortunately, it wasn't entirely successful to get rid of Gavin Newsom. Mm -hmm. But... It was an effort that showed that it can be done. Yeah. Um, I think Gascon is another one. Exactly. A lot well, of efforts being done to try to get rid of him. Yeah, exactly right. Um, a lot of that. And so we're very hopeful. I know that sounds crazy, but uh, to uh, what I'm going to say, people are not going to believe me. I get it. I wouldn't believe it either. I'm meeting people at church now. In the last six to 12 months, people are saying, hi, Pastor Jack, we live here now. We moved here. And I say, excuse me, what? Yeah. Yeah, we moved from Fort Lauderdale to here because we've been watching your services online and we realized we want to we wanna make a difference. And I'm wow. telling you, you, the level of encouragement that brings to me is incredible. But one thing, you know, we're, we're waiting to, to come see you just now. And um, what people don't realize also is Hollywood is dying yeah. Hollywood's influence is dying. First of all, many movies are now being done in either foreign countries uh, and Canada, predominantly. Hollywood is dying. People are sick of their woke ways. Look at the music awards and the movie awards. People are not, viewership has plummeted. But you know what fills up theaters in, in California? Faith-based films yeah. have the greatest profitable margins of all movies. And even Disney is pivoting because they're realizing, man, recent efforts on our part to promote our wokeness has tanked at the at our bank. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to do something different. And all of a sudden, these movies come along with these low budgets with great actors with a faith content, and they're, they're soaring. So I think there's a lot going on. And I know, the, you know, the Bible says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth was the question well, can any good thing come out of California? And I'm just going to say to the nation, just wait and see. Well, and also Orange County has always been a bright spot if you can hold on to it. It's been a bright spot, at least in that state, especially yeah. during COVID, when you guys bucked the system as well and said we're not going along yeah. with a lot of these tyrannical, unconstitutional infringements. Correct. But there's a lot going on in this country when it, as it pertains to morality, as it pertains to what some would call a culture war. I don't know if we're necessarily in a war for culture, but there's certainly a battle of some sort going on. Yeah. And it's going to be challenging for not only faith-based groups, but also for conservatives, Republicans, to navigate these waters that probably have forever been changed. Yeah. You mentioned the book talks a little bit about gender and the concept of gender right. and what it means to this country, what it means in California. Right. I want to dive into that a little bit because there are some folks out there that might be more on the left or progressive side and they hear about Christianity and religion and they say that's not for me because of X, Y, and C or LGBT. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, listen, I am okay with same-sex marriage. I'm okay with LGBTQIA, whatever. So I must not be a Christian. I must not be a conservative. What do you tell those people? So let me say this so, um, so I stay in trouble and maybe I, I get you in trouble. Over the years of over 30 years of ministry, I've come to know this, that when somebody says, I'm for a gay marriage or LBGTQ or whatever, I ask them, 
Are, are you personally? Oh, no, no, but my granddaughter is, or right. my, my son is. It's always an emotional response. It's emotional. And when I point that out to them, they don't like to hear that. But I actually pivot from being a pastor in the Bible and Christianity or religion. I will say to them, let's pretend for a moment there is no God and we're evolutionists. Do you realize that evolution, by the doctrine of evolution, would have eradicated that which cannot reproduce? That's the bedrock of evolution. You don't need the Bible or a Christian to say, you know what, it just doesn't work. The plumbing doesn't work. The, the, the relationship doesn't work. You can be an evangelist. Yes, you can do that and say that. You can be a pastor. But I like to talk to people and say, hey, let's just pretend we don't believe in God. If evolution's true, it would have eradicated the homosexual act because it's the survival of the fittest. And only those who can reproduce in nature move higher up on the evolutionary chain. When you get people to think that way, but our message is better, of course. Jesus Christ loves all people. Look, I am not LBGTQ. I don't have to be to be a sinner. I am a red-blooded male, and I've got my issues that drove Jesus to the cross. He died there for my sins. And that's where I got in trouble with Congress, because I mentioned the word sin, and you see, you can't say that today because that implies if there is sin and if somebody did get crucified on the cross, then that means I've got to deal with that and I don't want to deal with it. So let's just go along to get along kind of a thing. And yet truth doesn't allow that. God loves LBGTQ. He loves Republicans and Democrats so much that he died for our sins on the cross. But here's the great thing about Jesus he didn't die on the cross to leave us like we are. He died on the cross to change us into his image. And so there's gl glorious forgiveness and hope and meaning of life. And um, I think that that's, that's the message that's got to get out. Because if we continue on in the lunacy in which we're in, in the days, the fog that we're in, I think we're just going to see an increase in suicides. We're going to see an increase in homelessness. We're going to see a, a, an increase in broken homes. Uh, we've got to get back to God's proven bedrock truth, and that's the Bible. I'm glad that you brought up some other societal ills that we're dealing with. Homelessness, we've got an immigration crisis, we've got an invasion. Being that you're in California, you mm -hmm. kind of see it firsthand. Yep. We're getting reports now that uh, because Texas is taking control of their border more yes. so, it's moving more to California. We've got our, of course, our Fox News yes. reporters down there saying that they've got hundreds of Chinese coming through a day. So it's a real crisis, but there are some that say, and I see it on social media all the time, well, hey, if you're a Christian, mm -hmm. you should allow these people to come in who are refugees. We know that that's mostly BS. That's right. But you should allow, you should welcome. The Statue of Liberty says we must welcome. So I would ask you yeah. what your response is to that and to those that try to weaponize Christianity exactly. to justify and validate what's going on at our border. Yeah, the first warning should be the very people who are saying that if you ask them that if they're Christians, they say they're not. So just remember where the source is coming from. Number two, I've been to the border twice. I've taken a, a delegation of pastors to watch what's going on because of the question you just asked. If we are going to be Christians, the Bible tells us that we should obey the laws of the land. Okay, Without laws, you have anarchy. So there is a way. Remember, we didn't have a border problem uh, throughout the history of this nation, we had a process. Ellis Island was one mm -hmm. of them, 
way back when. We didn't have a problem until bad players got into power. There's a way to do and uphold the law, which is healthy and good for everybody. For example, because the law is being broken, Tommy, we're seeing things now, uh, and I'm going to miss some of them, I'm sure, but we are seeing diseases now that were eradicated decades ago that now there are people coming across that have not been vaccinated from polio or diphtheria or all these uh, uh, TB, all these other things. And now we're starting to see a spike in these sicknesses that were once gone from our American soil. Why? Because we're doing this wrong. Christians should love the foreigner. We do love the foreigner. Let's do the process. Let's get them here healthy, safe, and sound. And let's get churches to adopt them. Let's get church congregants who have companies to hire them. Let's get them going through the process. But listen, the moment we step up with that idea, I got to tell you, Larry Elder and I, we put together a plan when we were going through the recall. I got to tell you, I'm still so proud of this plan. He had a plan regarding the borders. He had a plan regarding the inner city. It was absolutely epic what he was going to do. And lo and behold, listen to this. Larry called me to his house. My wife and I went to his home and he said, what do I do about the border problem? What do I do about homelessness? And I said, Larry, let's back up 20 years ago. The border problem wasn't a problem. Homelessness wasn't a problem. Why? The rule of law. So as governor, you uphold the rule of law and then we'll take care of the problem that's here now. Right. Turn the church loose. We can do that. We can take in the homeless. We can help them. Those that are too far gone, we've got government-funded institutions to take care of them. But let the church do what it does best, and that is love people, give them meaning and purpose, give them Christ. And um, no, I actually, um, I, think, uh, I think we had the answer. We leave it to the hands of God. We still have it. But anybody who says, no, if you're a Christian, you've got to undo the law and make this happen. There's a way to handle the problem, and it's not more godlessness or lawlessness. I want to ask you about some of the churches, though, because we know that there are several NGOs and church organizations that are kind of helping to foster some of this invasion. Uh, California, it's been a problem in California for a while where these churches, they do get funding, and they are somewhat responsible for traipsing people around. And it's been a problem in California long before this most recent invasion under the Biden administration. What do you say and how do you talk about separating what certain churches are doing and what are they doing wrong? And what do Americans need to know about maybe how to differentiate that? Because I think that there is kind of a dark side to what some of these organizations are doing. You you actually answered your question very, very wise how you put this. People don't realize that we as a, as a church, let's, let's just put it this way. It's a fact. I told you, I've been down there. We as churches literally have permission from the Mexican government to process, take care of people on the Mexico side of things. By the way, Mexico wants this to happen because people don't realize these people are not Mexicans. These people right. are Guatemalans, Syrians, Pakistanis, Chinese, Ecuadorians, yeah. um, you name it, Mexico's got a horrific problem. But if we did it on their side of the fence and processed it uh, in a loving way, in a way that is wise, proper medical applications, and proper paperwork, it's not that it's so broken like this is some new problem. We, we knew how to do this for over 240 years. 
Uh, all we need to do is go back and doing it again. But you said it, follow the money. Mm -hmm. There are groups that have found out they, look, they may be a 501c3. It might work if they put a cross up. They might call themselves a church. They're also tremendously funded by the government. And um, for them, it's working. They got a staff. They've got the delegation of people. They're being paid government income. Look, it's for them, it's a business. For us, it is souls. And we need to be careful. At the same time, I would hope that a Mexican loves Mexico. I hope a Canadian loves Canada. I, look, I, I, I was in Oxford, England recently. The, Eng, the English love England. They should. I'm an American. I love the United States. I happen to be a Christian, which I guess now the combo of that <laughs> is almost illegal. But if you think about the logic of it, I think, I think that we as believers should follow God's plan because you're right, the Bible talks about the foreigner that is among you. It's very clear about how they're to be treated and how they're to be taken care of. But all of that is under the rule of law that God gave through Moses. So let's unite on bringing back the laws that are on the book and then let's have politics step out of the way and let's let churches and synagogues show up at the border, love on these people. I'm, I'm telling you, it would be awesome if churches would just start adopting these people and get them legal. Because they're here. They're not going away. Let's get them legal. Let's vet them. Let's adopt them. One of the things uh, that Larry and I came to the conclusion on is, let's get three American citizen families to, ad to adopt someone who's crossed the border and know them for a year and have them have three sponsors, no money involved, three Americans can vouch for this person's uh, viability, having been here in America, and we will vouch for them and begin the process. You might say, well, that's like some form of amnesty. Look, it's broken. We have to start somewhere. We cannot pack everybody up and ship them out. But if somebody's a bad player, they need to be gone this morning. Right. We've got to start somewhere. We do have to start somewhere. I would also argue that there is uh, some beauty in certain levels of deportation, but that's my I own. Agree. I agree. I think that letting 10 million in um, yeah. is, is going to be a, a lasting problem that we're going to grapple with for many, many years. Um, some see it as an opportunity, of course. Yes. But you address a lot of these things that are going on in society in your book. I know you said there's already pre-orders. People can get this book. Where can they go to read about your word and read about your guidance? We've got the, the book there. Where can they go to find you? Yeah, um, Amazon.com is probably the easiest place to go, but it's available at Walmart.com, wherever books are sold. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being in Tennessee and for fighting to save California because it is worth fighting for. It is. And we appreciate you so much, and we hope everybody goes out and gets the book because it's, it's desperately needed in these times. So we appreciate you, Pastor Jack, and your beautiful family for coming with us today, and welcome to Nashville. Thank you so much. That does it for this week of Tommy Lahren is Fearless. Please watch me tonight on Hannity, 9 p.m. Eastern, Fox News. From Nashville, God bless and take care.